requests, and we're praising the Lord for lots of things, and it's good to see Evie in church answer a prayer request. We're praying for her, lifting her up, and it's just great that she's here with us tonight, and we just want to keep praying for her, though, and lifting her up. Uh, also, let's remember Beverly Kuhn. Uh, she broke a tooth and needs an oral surgeon, uh, and she... Uh, let me see, and finish all the surgery uh, and the antibodies before she can start her chemo again. So please be in prayer for this, and this is from Karen Kirk, so let's remember this. And then this one here is for several, uh, several ones here. This is for, uh, and I'm hoping that I get all of these right, but they're different service uh, men and women. Wells and Ernest with cancer receding, uh, pray for them, and then an unspoken for uh, SPC Dobry with an unspoken, SPC David who is on his way to civilian life, prayers for strength as he encounters the struggles of coming back to civilian life. So let's be praying for these and uh, even this morning I was kind of thinking about that to be praying for our, our servicemen, for our police officers, lifting them up. They do a work that we really, really are thankful for. And with that being said, Daniel, would you stand up right where you are? Daniel is a Maryland State Trooper. And we're thankful for the way he serves our community and helps us out and what a blessing it is. And from what I hear, because I know a few cops too, he's a pretty good one. You know what? Elkton PD even talks good about you. That's saying something. That's saying something. Because the cops don't, you know, crossing the lines, they don't like that too often. Anyway, I'm just joking. Trooper of the year? Oh, come on. Trooper of the year, Mr. Daniel Mooney. Amen. I told you he was pretty good, right? Amen. Hey, open us up in a word of prayer.
I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the remember the announcements that we had this morning remember we were reminding you about a couple of things one of them being our library that's downstairs and uh, you can always go down and check that out great books down there in the library miss Jen Middleman is always down there working hard you can see her if you have any questions about that our men's prayer room as well every Sunday morning uh, we have men's prayer room brother Barry's usually down there leading it getting things rolling and we thank the Lord for that and so uh, remember men's prayer room between Sunday school and church. Uh, let's remember Tuesday night, Youth Group and Discovery Club, 6.30 to 8.30, Cornhole League, Thursday, January the 18th. Young adults, it's different from what's in the bulletin, Saturday, January the 20th at 7 o'clock. So remember that WMU meeting will be Sunday, January the 21st. Men's Devotion. Friday, February the 2nd, 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall, so get that as well. Also remember, mark your calendars, put it down. We've got a big week that's coming up in March. It's going to kick off with uh, Nottingham for 50th anniversary, uh, uh, the word I'm looking for, it starts with a C, concert, there we go. I knew it started with a C. I wanted to say commencement, but that's not right. Uh, I wanted to say commemoration, that's not concert with the Nottingham Four and the Mark Trammell Trio, and that will be on March the 9th. And then that Sunday morning, we're going to kick off that revival with Brother Travis Kerlock, and we'll also have uh, Andrew and Mary Beth Jones. We'll go through Wednesday night, and then on Wednesday night, we'll start with our Bible Exposition Conference. We'll have Dale Vance with us. We'll have uh, Brother Steve Cox, and we're just looking forward to that and, uh, and what the Lord will have in store for us that week. Amen. All right. If we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Amen. TJ, would you ask a blessing on the offering? We'd like to thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We thank you for a chance to come and worship you, Lord. We just thank you for the service we had this morning, Lord, for your spirit that we felt, Lord. We just pray that you would be at the ones that were mentioned tonight for prayer, Lord. You know the situation in each one, Lord. We just pray your will would be done. Lord, we just thank you again for an opportunity to be here, Lord. Pray for this offering, Lord. Bless the gift and the giver alike. In your name we pray. Amen. 51. 71. The old rugged cross. 
Someday 
may be seated.
condemned to die on a cross for crimes he had done. He was guilty, everyone could see. But his destiny was changed when he looked at Christ and said, when your kingdom comes, remember me. In paradise that day he stood, just like the Lord said he would, surrounded by those who had gone before. And one said, friend, how did you come? What are the deeds you have done? With tears in his eyes, I can hear him reply. There are no merits to my name, no works that I can claim. He who brought me here told me to say, I have come by the way of the cross. I have come by the way of the cross. It is nothing I have done. It's the suffering of God's Son. I have come by the way of the cross. I have nothing to claim but my guilt and my shame.
okay, Daryl? All right. And it's sometimes when we sing a song for the first time, it's hard for you to hear. But in that second verse, it talks about, I've got nothing to bring but my shame and my guilt and all that. It's all I got. And he takes it all away. Doesn't he? Yeah. There's a little clip that went viral on a, on a while ago of a pastor that I love. And he was speaking to a bunch of pastors. And he was kind of putting them in their place in a very loving way. And he was reminding all those pastors there that if we think there's something that we've done to earn God's grace, then we, then we got this all wrong. If we ever start with the fact, and this is how he put it in that little clip of why should, I, why should you be in heaven? If any of it starts with I, then we missed it. I trusted Jesus. You might say, that sounds great. Well, I, I do trust Jesus. But what it really boils down to, and this is how he put it. He talked about that thief on the cross. And when he made it to heaven, he said, all that man could say is, the man in the middle said, I could be here. That's all that we have, is that the cross of Calvary has paid the price for us. It is, without a doubt, the most monumental thing that this world, it split time in half, did it not? It absolutely changed the course of time. But you know what? More important than that, one day it split time for you. When I came to the cross and met Jesus Christ there, I was no longer the same person I was before. I was on my way to hell and then I met Jesus at the cross and I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. We praise him tonight for the cross of Calvary. Let's praise him. How did we get here? By the cross. That's the only way. Sing that second verse again. Let's sing.
was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you had me in your side you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside there at the cross you paid the debt i owe broke my
This song has been, this chorus has been on my mind really about up the whole, uh, um, all service reaches to the highest, never loses power, blood that gives me strength from day to day, and it reaches, and it reaches to the highest mountain, and it reaches to the highest mountain, it flows through the lowest, it flows through the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength, oh, the blood that gives me strength from day. course again and it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows and it flows to the lowest valley all oh, the blood all oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never be in the house all right I'm on that's okay that's all right uh, turn with me to Malachi in your Bibles the book of Malachi whatever silly introduction I had obviously didn't need to be said so go right to the book of Malachi and let's jump right in we've been looking at a few things in there and tonight we're going to just keep going we pointed out six uh, different uh, things that the Lord in, uh, is bringing against the children of Israel. Hopefully you're with me. You remember some of that. I'll recap just a hair uh, as we go into it tonight. But what I would like to do tonight uh, is let's go to Malachi chapter 1 and then verse number 6. And let's read down there. We'll read a few verses uh, and then ask the Lord to help us this evening. The Bible says, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master if then I be a father where is mine honor and if I be a master where is my fear saith the Lord of hosts unto you O priests that despise my name and ye say wherein have we despised thy name we focused on that one on Wednesday night we're gonna make our focus on this one in verse number seven this evening well two of them Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, Beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you that would shut up the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. 
for, for from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to open up the word of God tonight. Dear Lord, we do pray that you'd help us. We know we need your help, and, and dear Lord, uh, you've... You focused us on something that's important. Lord, it's been good tonight to come in and worship. We need the worship, but we also need our hearts directed by the Word of God. Lord, I believe that you are doing a work that softens our heart when we come in and we worship and we, we feel the move of the Holy Spirit and we realize how sweet it is to have the Holy Spirit move and and work on our heart and soul. But dear God, that part uh, is not enough. We need to be changed. We need the Word of God to come in. And, and while we're considering the things of the Lord, we need to be shown ourselves in the mirror of the Word of God and be ready to work on those things that need to change in our life. So tonight, dear God, as you have all day ministered to our hearts, let us in worship. Use the choir to lift our heart and soul so that we felt like the breath of heaven was even in the place. But now, and with the word that was preached this morning, dear God, use it in a mighty way. Dear God, we understand all too well that it's nothing to do with us, but it is the power of the word of God, so we want to be careful to preach it, to proclaim it clearly and give you the glory for what you'll do tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. In Malachi, we've already said, and I don't want us to lose our backdrop, but I don't want you to forget that we're dealing, Malachi is dealing with a people who are disillusioned, who are unsatisfied with their worship of God, and they've come to a place where there's so many things that could be said can be similar to people that have maybe been walking with the Lord for a while, uh, or maybe you haven't even been walking, but whatever the case may be, you get to a place where you feel like you're going through the motions, it's, it's, it's not satisfying, it doesn't have power anymore. And, and we understand the Bible talks about this often. And how powerful is that? How often is it that people just give up on church and religion because they're like, Man, they're just going through the motions down there, right? You hear that all the time. Oh, they're just going. Well, whose fault is that exactly, right? Is that God's fault? Is God not powerful? Is, do we believe that? 
then why would we abandon those things instead of searching out God, right? How, why would we somehow be like, well, you know, uh, I just kind of quit that God thing because it just seemed to not be that real. And it is an interesting thing. But, and I want to go back and say that isn't it powerful how the Word of God speaks to the human nature of men and mankind, right? It's speaking to you right where you are. Because have you ever felt like that, right? Have you ever just felt, I don't care how great of a Christian you are or how holy you are, there's been a time when you probably thought, you know what, uh, this is just losing its power, right? It's losing its, uh, its feel. And maybe you've not been like that. I don't know. But you're looking at me like I'm the only one that feels that way. Have you ever felt that way? Okay, thank you. This side of the room is honest. And this side is pious. And we're expecting you at the altar. No, I'm just teasing. But no, isn't it amazing? And maybe it isn't your case. And, but it also is amazing how the Word of God does speak to the nature of us as human beings, speaks down to those deeper thoughts and deep places of our heart. And you know, I love that passage in Psalms. It says, deep calls unto deep. And God's word does that. And when it says that about the human nature, it resounds in your heart and you're like, man, I felt like that. Because there's some of us that we, we res our heart resounds with David when David calls out to God and says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. We can, we can resound with that. There's some of us that feel like Peter when we look at Peter who just can't seem to get it right. He loves God with all of his heart but can't ever seem to say the right thing, right? And we, we look at that and go, man, that's me. And it, it was all, the Word of God does that and it's doing this here. I believe in a powerful way and in a way that is that speaking to what we need in a time right now where folks are looking for some depth in religion and some depth uh, in their relationship with God and are really looking back towards spiritual things and even at times traditional things. I think we should come to this and say, what is God telling us about how to get back there? Because it's not just found in the tradition only, right? It's not enough to just get that old-time feeling, right? Okay? It's not just enough to, you know, if you were me when I was a kid, there's nothing more old-time feeling than a church with paneling in it. Do you remember how paneling smells? I remember going into so many churches with some old, nasty, dry-rotted paneling in it. Amen? at least down south where they took us on deputation. I don't know what was wrong with them churches. But that to me is like, man, that's what it, old paneling. But no, it's not enough to just get that old feeling. It's we've got to find out where God is at and what his word is saying and come back and reconnect with the Holy Spirit and find what it is about those things that connect us to the heart of God. And he's putting those things in here we talked about it a little bit before, but we want to get there. So tonight, we got two that we're going to focus on. We made a little bit of mention of it because two are kind of connected already. But we're going to look at the one in verse number seven, which was number three in our list. He says, "Ye offered polluted bread upon my altar. And they said, wherein have we polluted thee? So we're going to focus on that. And then the second one that we're going to focus on is found in verse number 17 of chapter number 2. And this one's a tough one. He says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. 
but they say, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? That's a really heavy accusation that comes in there. We're going to look at those two together. But if I had a title for the message tonight, it's a really long title, and it's more of like a question. And it goes like this. Does your worship and your sacrifice satisfy God? See, that's the thing. It's not, it's not even for you. Brethren, we read this this morning in, from Romans chapter 12 in Sunday school. Brethren, I beseech ye therefore by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The sacrifice is not for you, it's for God. It's whether or not God is happy with it. It's whether or not God is pleased with it. Your worship, as wonderful as it is, and as it brings us to the throne room of God and fills our heart with joy and, and, and the Spirit filled, it, it's wonderful, isn't it, to get into God's house and praise with God's people. I think that's one of the most attracting things about our church is that true worship takes place over and over. And people come in and they love it and enjoy it. And it fills their heart. But it's not for you. It's for God. Because He is worthy of all praise. And I understand the byproducts of a God that is as big as God and is as amazing as God and has the depth of God that when we bless God, it blesses us. I get that. But it's still important for us to keep the focus on the fact that worship and sacrifice is for Him. Does it satisfy Him? See, that's the issue that they're having in chapter number one is God says you're bringing sacrifices, you're doing all the stuff, but I don't like it. Do you know that that theme is repeated all throughout the Old Testament? It happens over and over and over in the Old Testament that God looks down at the Jewish people and He says, you're doing all the stuff, but it doesn't mean anything. And it's stinking in my nostrils. And I reject it. And I don't want it. Because the sacrifice and the worship is not about you, but it's whether or not it satisfies me. And I got this as a second part of my introduction or, or my title or whatever. It's really just what we want to attack tonight. Does your worship and sacrifice satisfy God? If it does not, you can be sure that it will not satisfy you either. What are we looking at in the book of Malachi? We're looking at a group of people who are disillusioned with God, disillusioned with the religion, disillusioned with the practice, but yet God is saying, your worship stinks to me too. Your sacrifice stinks to me too, and I have rejected it. So we see those two. Now here's what we want to do. We're looking at God inviting them to come back into fellowship with them. Isn't God a good God to us? Isn't He long-suffering towards us? I mean... Think about all the time we just spent in the minor prophets. We, we have spent, I haven't even tracked it. I need to go back and see when we started preaching on the minor prophets. But God kept sending prophets to Israel 
to speak to them and to, and to urge them and to woo them. And God sent prophets who lived complete lives of sacrifice to God to show them a way back to God. He sent prophets who preached harsh sermons. He sent prophets who preached comforting serve, uh, sermons. He sent prophets that did everything that God could do to bring those people back to God. Why? Because he's long-suffering toward us. You know, God is like that in your life. He's not willing that any should perish. As a matter of fact, He's using the preaching. He's using the singing. He's using the circumstances in your life. He's using that annoying relative or that mom or dad that keeps praying for you. He's using all of that stuff in your life to speak the Word of God and the truth of God into your life because He wants you to come back and know again the joy of your salvation. He doesn't want you to live a life that's that's dull and boring. He doesn't want you to walk through this life going, man, serving the Lord, it's just, you know, we're doing the best we can over here. It's hard work, working for God. It is hard work. All of that is true. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. There's joy in the house of God. There's fulfillment. There's satisfaction in spending time with Him. As a matter of fact, when we go to the book of Psalms, we see all through there that His law and His word is like honey on our lips. Do you feel that way about the word of God? Is it that part? Anyway, that's not what I meant to be preached. We've got to get focused on these points because the points got points underneath of them. Okay. But you got me all excited with that singing. So I'm just going to tell you, I've resigned to the fact that I'm not short preacher anymore. Okay, it's just it is what it is. I've given up. So here we go. Number one, he says you polluted. We looked at it right there in verse number seven. Ye offered polluted bread upon my altar. We went into this on Wednesday night a little bit at depth, and we talked about the two aspects of the bread and the, the sacrifice itself that was on the altar. And we talked about the bread of Jesus Christ, the sacrament of the table, the communion table. We talked about the sacrifice itself of Jesus Christ and what that means. But all I want to notice for us tonight is I want to take a look at a couple of things that he says specifically as, remember, remember the pattern that we follow. Jesus brings the, or God brings the accusation. They try to refute that and then God says here is how you're doing it so you've polluted you offer polluted bread upon mine altar they say wherein have we polluted that and he, he responds in that ye say the table of the Lord is contemptible in that you say I, in that you say this is something we don't want to do anymore it's something that's not important to us. It doesn't have any meaning and it's lost its. And, and I would go back to what we talked about Wednesday night just for a moment. But the time of the Lord's Supper and the communion table ought to be a precious time to the Christian. Cherished, beautiful, wonderful, longed for, desired for. And I'm not going to preach that again, but then let's move to verse number 8 because he goes on even fur further. And you, you saw it there. He says, if ye offer blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? You offer lame, is it not? Now, notice the end of it, though. This is the part I want you to focus on. Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? You know what he's saying there? He's like, try to do that in the world. Try to go out in the world 
and give, give a half-hearted effort on your job and see if they don't notice it. Give a half-hearted effort and see if that's okay with the people that are around you. All I put on that is this right here. Even the world can see poor effort. I got a lot of preaching that I could do on this, but, and I got a lot of things I can say, but many of you know that I coach basketball, and I love doing that. And this year is one of those years, you know, well, I coach basketball at Rising Sun, so let's just face it. That's enough said right there. They're not very good, okay? It's Rising Sun. But I will tell you this, they try. I, I, I've had teams in the past that weren't good and didn't try, and that's really frustrating. But now I got some boys, and man, they are, they're giving it all they have. They really are. And we're wearing them out on the court. And you know what? I can deal with that. You know what? Sometimes the other team's just better than you. I tell them, too. I'm sorry, guys. That other coach is just better than me, too. But it's just sometimes that's, but, you, but when they give it all, you're still super proud of them. And you're like, wow. And, and, but, but when someone's given a poor effort, and when they go out, and you know what? When we come into the house of God, and we do the things of God, and it's all done half-hearted, poor effort, the very least that we can give, all of the things that he's describing here, all of the things that talk about a sacrifice that's the third or the fourth, not the best, but when our attitude is that God gets the leftovers, when our attitude is it's such a burden to get out to the house of God all the time, when the, our attitude is all of these things, then guess what? We are going to have a poor time in God's house. It's just the truth. In other words, and I got another one for you, and again, it's not the best, but it's still true. You get out what you put into it. It's still true, isn't it? You get out what you put into it. Those old adages have stood the test of time because you know what? We, here we go. We bring a half of, of a sacrifice to the Lord and we say, God bless it. And he doesn't. And then we act like there's something wrong with God. We act like there's something wrong with God. And God is saying, I want you to bring that desire back. I want you to bring that heart back. I want you to bring that heart that longs for me, that gets up in the morning and is ready to read my word. I want that heart that, and, and hey, I, I want to be careful with that because I can tell you there's times when, when reading the word and all of that is just as much a struggle for me as it is for you. But I can tell you this, I do know this about my life, that when I get away from it and when I come back to it, man, I am in awe of how good the word of God is. I'm, I'm in awe of how good the Word of God is. And I'm like, why did I leave that alone? Why didn't I get into that? Why didn't I make that a part of what I was doing? And we come to it that way. Verse number 11, let's keep moving. These are right there into the same one. Uh, verse number 11. For from the rising of the sun under the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. We are supposed to be the light of the world. Let me, I, I believe that. When, when we are living the Christian life, 
and we are full of the joy of the Lord and the light of God's graciousness and mercy is living on us, the rest of the world can see it. And that's the way it ought, to, it ought to be. That is also satisfying to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I need you to get back to this way of living that is calling upon the name of the Lord, that is living full out for Jesus Christ, that is consumed by it, that loves it, that desires it. Because not only can the world see that, but the world needs to see that you are in love with Jesus Christ. That is the greatest testimony that we can have. All the time we're talking about, well, how can I, and, and I've said this a million times in here, and, but I, and I, I'll keep talking about it. I love the different systems and ways of telling people about Jesus, but the biggest testimony is when somebody's life has something that the world doesn't have. And they go, what is wrong with you? What have you got that I don't have? And we all, all we have to say is Jesus. We don't have to give them a dissertation. We don't have to tell them and all of this different stuff. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to the heathen. They say, what is going on with them, with them over there? What's taking place over there? Anyway, i got to keep going. If we come and do that, it will be great for us. Uh, verse number, and I'm back up just a little bit. Verse number 10. Who is there even among you that would shut up the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Isn't it? That is a defeated place for the Christian to be. When he understands that his sacrifice, what he's doing, God has no pleasure in it. He's got to get himself back to the place where he is bringing those things that are acceptable to the Lord. Acceptable to the Lord. What the Lord can use. He's gotta go. Now we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. I'm all, we're going to get there, I promise. Ye have wearied the Lord. I want you to turn over to verse number 17. We're going to kind of put these two together. And amazingly enough, our pastor was on point this morning because we are going to describe things that happen in here exactly with what he was talking about this morning. I thought that was no coincidence. I think that the Lord wants you to hear something when it comes to uh, Jesus Christ and the work that he's doing. But he says this in verse number 17. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have ye wearied him? And then Jesus, God replies, and in my mind, I don't, if you, I don't want to even say it, but anyway, when you're reading those scriptures and you're really like del delving in there, sometimes you feel like it's Jesus, even in the Old Testament, doing the talking. Okay? I'm not going to say anything more. You can go and make your own opinion on that. But anyway, it says this. When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? This is a common complaint from the children of Israel. They are saying, people out there are doing wicked, and you're not judging them, God. Where is the God of judgment? God says, you've wearied me with that talk. It's getting old kind of funny in a way it's like he's saying I'm tired of the complaining 
I've heard that one before. Have you ever been there? You've been there where you're just like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing that complaint. Not only that, I've heard it all before. Maybe it's because I'm getting older too that I'm like, man, there's just, there's no new complaints. You know what I mean? They're the same complaints, they're just kind of saying it different. And really what it is, you got a problem with somebody. <laughs> anyway, we got we to keep moving on. No, but we're like, the Lord's just like, can you just get back to understanding who I am? Now, I want you to notice this here. Here's how the Lord responds to that complaint. Here's how he responds. This is beautiful. They said, where is the God of judgment? Where is the God of judgment? Here's how he responds to that complaint. Are you ready for this? Hold on. Verse number one of chapter number three. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek mm, shall suddenly come to his temple. You getting that? You getting that? You know who he's talking about? Yeah, you know who he's talking about. John the Baptist is the one that's preparing the way. And here comes Jesus into his temple. Notice what he says. He'll suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Do you delight in Jesus? Is he really the best friend you ever had? You say that. Remember we went back and we were talking about that when we were using the first two that were in there. Oh yeah, you know. Or do you defile his name when you say that? The one you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purify of silver and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver and they may, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Remember what our pastor preached this morning? The coming of Jesus Christ, right? You can't tell the difference here. It's hard to tell the difference. That's a great passage that our pastor was preaching out of this morning. As a matter of fact, if you had a Schofield Bible this morning, you would have known that down at the bottom, he says that, isn't it amazing? He stops right at that comma and opens up the age of grace. <laughs> and then he starts later on with the second, com or the second coming of Jesus Christ when he will come with all of his vengeance and his fury. But man, aren't you glad for that little comma right there in the middle of that sentence that gives us an age of grace. And right here, we see the same Jesus. We see the messenger that's going to prepare the way. But then he, this is how he talks about Jesus. The messenger of the covenant. Of a new promise in Jesus Christ. See, he's coming. Jesus Christ came the first time. And what did he say to his disciples when he sat down? When he sat down at that table to break bread with them, he said, this bread is the new covenant, the New Testament of my body, which is broken for you.
This blood is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood, which will be shed for you. He said, I'm going to make a new promise with you that will open up cleansing and open up forgiveness for you. How does he respond to the fact that Jesus, that God is not judging the world yet? He says, listen, Jesus is coming, but thank goodness he's not going to judge you just yet. But when he comes the second time, he's going to come as a refiner's fire. And he is going to purge the world and all will be done away with. And again, just like we preached about this morning, isn't that amazing? How our pastor was right on point with that, amen? That here we are. And listen, this is where we are. We are in the age of grace. And God speaks to them and says, listen, I am going to execute my judgment. But you better be careful how quickly you call for it. You need to be careful what you're asking for. You need to be careful what you're looking for. Because the age of grace is an amazing time. And aren't we glad that we were found in that age of grace? Now notice this, and we're going to be done. Verse number 6 of the same chapter. Can we read it? Can we just go ahead and read it? Yeah. All right, good, thank you. Verse number 4. I love this. When Jesus Christ has come, when he's given us a new covenant, when he's refined the world, he says in verse number 4, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swears and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside from the strangers from the right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, Ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Mm. I am the Lord. I change not. Because I change not, I will punish. All of the lists that he gave us in verse number five. But he says, because I am the Lord, because I change not, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. Listen, you need to understand that it is only by the good graciousness of God that we are not consumed. Because I'm telling you, this goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this thing. Somehow we think we've deserved something. Somehow we think that we've obtained something. But listen, the God that never changes is a God of judgment and destruction. And if it were left unto us, and if we should get what we deserve, we would be destroyed. But the God who doesn't change, who made a covenant with Jacob and continued that covenant with the whole Gentile nation and grafted us into the nation of Israel, into the family of God, we were once aliens and foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel, but have been brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God never changes, I'm not consumed. Isn't that wonderful? He's never going to stop loving you. 
if he sets his love on you, that's it. It's done. I can't lose my salvation. He, he's not going to change. He's going to do what he said. The Lord never changes. Aren't you glad that because we're the sons of Jacob, we are not consumed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen. I know there's a lot in that. There's a lot I wanted to say and I didn't say. But I count on the Holy Spirit to do a work that I know I can't do. I also believe that it's so important for us to go home with the Word of God and look at those passages of Scripture and say, Lord, what do we need from it? And I want to give you one clear and small thought this evening. Listen, is your worship does your worship and your sacrifice satisfy God? Does it? If it doesn't, bring him a whole heart tonight. A broken and a contrite heart. He will not refuse. He doesn't want you coming with all and saying, look at all I got to give you, God. No, he just a broken he just wants you to be real. He just wants you to love him with his, your whole heart. Dear Heavenly Father, help us in our invitation tonight. Dear God, I am just laying, I'm just laying trust tonight that the Word of God is doing what I feel I cannot articulate. Your Word is sufficient. The Holy Spirit is enough. Help us tonight. In Christ's we pray, name we pray. Amen.